In Scotland, when friends get together, they blether. When these three friends happen to be Scottish Blue Badge tourist guides, you can be sure that the country that they're so passionate about will be right at the heart of their discussions, be it contemporary or historical, culinary or cultural, reminiscence or anecdote. From accommodation to zoos, the chat will range right across the entire alphabet of topics and issues that are live and happening in Scotland right now. We hope that you'll join us. There's nothing to beat a recht git blether. And you could also join in our blethers on social media. You can find us as at Scottish Blethers on both Facebook and Instagram. We post additional content during the week that supports the podcast episode. We love making the podcasts and would love it if you could share them with your friends and leave a review on the platform of your choice. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Scottish Blethers. I'm Liz Lister. And I'm Helen Houston. And we're right in the heart of Scottish summer. Um, unfortunately, this week it's been a little bit cloudy, but warm with glimpses of sunshine. So we can't complain. Lots of rain to water the gardens. Have you had a good week, Helen? Yes, I have. I've had a very good week, Liz. I've sort of just been out and about a little bit. So it's been been quite nice. Yes, thank you. Good. Well, we've been talking about tennis and tours and Wimbledon Fortnite is drawing to a close. As we record this this afternoon, we've got the final coming up. We've got Djokovic against Matteo, the young Italian. I don't know about you, Helen, but they start the week, most of them relatively unknown. And by the end of the week, you feel as if they're family. Well, that's right, because I have to admit that there was only about two names that I knew in this at the beginning of Wimbledon and that was uh, Roger Federer um, who sadly bowed out and um, Novak Djokovic but as you say we're now seeing them recognizing them I watched the men's doubles final last night it, it was very exciting very good well I enjoyed I've been following Denis Shapo, Shapovalov oh yes like the Canadian who beat Andy Murray and he was so gracious in defeating our brave heart he was that um, the Scots have taken them to their heart it was he was crying at the end it was so sad he was very upset wasn't he Liz yeah so this afternoon we've got Djokovic against the young stud Matteo Berrettini and of course he a great romance the power couple of tennis Ayla Tomjanovic. We saw her defeat the 18-year-old Emma Raducanu, right? So it's all as if, you know, they're members of our family, all so exciting. <laughs> That's right. And it, it, is, it is nice because they're all quite young, the ones that are coming through now. And it's lovely to see that the fab four of um, Federer, Djokovic, Andy Murray and um, Nadal are just beginning to bow out. Yeah, new times ahead. Good to see. Um, so I wonder if, if Djokovic will be able to hold up the, the banner for the old ones. Oh. But of course, also later today, we have another major sporting event, Helen, because we have the football. Do oh. you know what's going on later today? Oh, yes. Is, is, this, is this England versus another team somewhere? Yes. England, the old enemy, versus Italy. Yes. In the final of the Euro That's 2020, right. yeah. 
So just wait for it in our village, Helen. There's only one thing which is guaranteed to be louder than Scotland scoring a goal, and that's when the opposition score against England. Oh, yes. <laughs> but actually, actually, I think I'm really pleased to be slightly further down the hill than you, Liz, because I think your house will be fairly chaotic up there with the football on. No, it's just me. And I'm trying to tell myself I am supporting England. I am supporting England. But all I'll say is there's probably going to be a lot of Italian ice oh, cream eaten yeah. around Scotland. <laughs> well, <laughs> and what other kind of ice cream do you, do you eat? But Italian ice cream, definitely the best. Of course. Of course. So leaving all that behind us, that's in the past. Today, we're taking up the theme we were talking in the last time about how once um, Wimbledon fortnight gets underway, all the kids pick up their tennis balls and tennis rackets and head to the courts. And so that brought us back to memories of childhood spent in Scotland. Now, in our case, that was quite some time ago, Helen. A little bit longer for me, Liz. <laughs> yeah, so we thought we would reminisce. I mean, some of the things that we'll be talking about kids in Scotland today, we'd not even know the first thing about. Never mind our listeners from overseas. But we thought we'd give you some of our childhood memories. OK, so Helen, when it was school holidays, what, what do you remember? Well, it was just the great outdoors, really. We just went out. We were outside all the time. And the big thing in my life, right through, as soon as I could put two wheels on the pedal was the bicycle. Just everywhere we went, everywhere by bicycle, you know, up to meet our friends. And it was just that took us to all sorts of activities. Did you did you ride a bike, Liz? Yes, I did. And we, we used to, to get packed up and head away for the day and go on great journeys round about. But even before that, Helen, the start of the school holidays, do you remember building a den? Oh, I don't know. Well, maybe we did, actually, yes, because when in my primary school years, we lived back to back with the school in Stirling and we could go use its all its places for playing in. So, yes, we I think we did build dens there. We had to avoid the lump, the big heaps of coal that they had piled up ready for the winter as well. Yeah, no, it was the kind of rallying point. So it could be outside if the weather was good. It might be in a local wood. You know, you could build up trees and branches. Or if the weather wasn't so great, it was in somebody's shed or back garden. Or in my case, a popular den was underneath the stairs. Underneath our stairs, there was a big cupboard. And we could go right in the back and underneath. And more so in wintertime, really, rather than summer. But that was our den. So dens were a very important part of an important part of holidays. Inspiration for Harry Potter, Liz. Exactly, exactly. The cupboard under the stairs. <laughs> and that's probably what my parents had put me here. <laughs> yeah, false memory syndrome. Yeah, but, and then we would, as you say, we'd go out on the bike. So can you remember some of the places that you'd go to? Well, from Stirling, it was quite interesting because you even then we had to be careful of the main roads because the main the main road north went through Stirling. And I had friends who lived in Cosway Head, which was only about two miles outside, but we had to go over the footbridge to Cambus Kenneth and away up Ladies Nuke Road, which were country roads, and then come out and come down Cosway Head Road on the right side. So we were on the right side of my friend's house um, in Cosway Head. And I remember once, Liz, doing that circuitous route and finding that the road, Ladies Newt Road, was flooded. So I had to, I did try to cycle through it, but got stuck up to my knees <laughs> in the middle and then had to come back. 
and not go to my friends. And of course, the days without mobile phones, Liz, exactly. you just you couldn't just... tell anybody. Exactly. And do you remember that you to be able to cycle on these roads safely, you did your cycle proficiency test? Oh, that was such a big thing. In fact, I think that's probably one of the only certificates I have, you know, in one of these big, you know, the tubes that you used to get when you got a certificate when yep. you graduated from yep. university. Well, inside that tube, I have my cycling proficiency certificate. Wasn't it Trusty the Squirrel or Rusty the Squirrel, something like that? There was certainly some animal associated with it. Yeah, great days. And remember that in the parks, I mean, I lived in, in Larbert and in, in the nearest place, Stenhouse Muir, there was a big park called the Lido. And in it, you had a boating pond with uh, swans on it and whatever, where you could hire the paddlers and go out on that. But you also had a little miniature... Come cycling. in number 10, your time is up. <laughs> That's it, absolutely. <laughs> and you, all, you also had a little cycling track where you could go around and there was traffic lights that you had to stop at. Do you remember those? Yes, we didn't have one in Stirling, but we did have, when I came to Dunfermline, when my children were growing up, there was one in Dunfermline in the Glen, if you remember, Liz. So, it's, yes, I, nowadays I think they still do cycling proficiency, but the children do it in the school playground, and there's not so much cycling on the roads, except during lockdown. Did you notice the bikes on the road in, during lockdown, Liz? It was fantastic. The roads were safe. There were no cars. But I think one of the legacies is that we're getting a lot more cycle routes um, and um, people-only places in cities. But you mentioned there, Helen, the Glen. Now, I can't think of the Glen without thinking of another tradition, which was the Sunday school picnic. Oh, yes. Yes. I love those Sunday school picnics. The double-decker bus coming out with all the children from Sunday school. You could hardly fill a car now with school children for school children from the Sunday school, could you? Exactly. But no, it was the big annual event where you went somewhere local. In my case, it was very often to Dunfermline Glen um, or it could be to the seaside. But um, you had races and competitions. Nowadays, you don't encourage competition amongst children, of course. <laughs> but uh, in those days, it was very competitive. You had the three legged race if you had a pal yes. or the egg and spoon race. The sack race. That's it. Shuffling along. There was a technique to that. Yeah, yeah. And then when you were thoroughly exhausted, you lined up and you got your bag handed out to you. And your bag was your um, your picnic. You, you got sandwiches and cakes, maybe a few sweeties in it. And uh, of course, that was a highlight. And you settled down to eat it on the grass. Yeah. And the good thing was, Liz, that everybody had the same in the bag. There weren't, weren't people sitting or children sitting with you know, huge picnics that had been prepared at home everybody just got the same in the in the bag and it was great that's it and just a step on from that did you ever encounter the seaside missions oh yes and they, they were fantastic because we used to go down and they effectively built a pulpit didn't they they built a pulpit with sand yeah. and wrote seaside mission and shells across the front of it it was like um, Sunday school by the sea. It was super, yeah. Because what it did, I suppose nowadays, Liz, that they've got all these children's play schools or what you call them, that people, parents can dump their children in and go and have a joy, enjoy themselves. The seaside mission, you just, you just wandered along the sand and sat down in front of this mound that said seaside mission and people there 
had sing songs. That's what it was all about, wasn't it? That's it. I, I seem to remember a song called Climb, Climb Up Sunshine Mountain. Oh. But you're right, it was sing-alongs yeah. and sandcastle building exactly, competitions. Yes. The idea came from somebody who was on holiday in Clandadno in Wales and they thought they saw all these children playing about on the beach and they thought, oh, here's a, an opportunity for some Christian instruction. And so that, that's where they started. And I remember that um, the morning was all about Bible stories and you'd have university students telling you all the stories and prayers and whatever. But the afternoon was about fun, um, going out gathering stones, playing cricket and rounders on the beach. And I suppose, Liz, you, you you mentioned Sunday school picnics before, that children at that time were used to going to Sunday school. So the seaside mission was just an extension of that, but, but outdoors and great fun. Yeah, unless it rained and then you disappeared into the church hall. And, and of course, another tradition, which is associated with the beach, Punch and Judy. Oh, gosh, they were great. They were great. But you don't see them nowadays, Liz, do you? Not politically correct. I mean, basically, the whole premise was domestic abuse and the wife and the child and whatever. But for those who maybe never heard of Punch and Judy, either on the beach or more not usually at the end of a pier, you would get a a tent right with an opening near the top. And this was for the puppeteer. And so it was a puppet show, a traditional puppet show. And the two main characters were Mr. Punch and his wife, Judy. And uh, he was he was quite horrible looking, really. He had a costume, a bit like a jester and a long nose and a jutting yeah. chin. Right? But the one thing that he did carry was a great long stick, which was as big as himself. And this was literally a slapstick. So this is where slapstick humour came in. There, there was also a policeman, wasn't there? There was, right, because he had to sort things out because Mr. Mr. Punch used to lay in about it. The characters, if you can remember them, Helen, there was Punch and Judy, there was the baby. Oh, there were, I forgot the baby, yes. Right, there was the baby. There was a hungry crocodile yes. and a string of sausages. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and there was the policeman and even, in some cases, a hangman. So the story went that Mr. Punch was left to look after the baby while Judy went out, and of course he didn't. So when he came back in, she got on at him, he hit her with the stick, he hit the baby with the stick, the policeman came, he hit the policeman with the stick, and eventually he got his comeuppance and he was taken away by the hangman. So you know the stories that we were brought up on. And this was children's entertainment. <laughs> it was it was interesting. I think some of our listeners listen to or watch things like the Antiques Roadshow. And recently there was a Punch and Judy man on with he was selling or showing his puppets uh-huh. and he was putting the voice on that he used. You know, the puppeteer always had different voices for each of the characters. So it was quite interesting. Obviously, he's not doing Punch and Judy now. And do you remember the catchphrase for Punch and Judy, Helm? Um, no, Liz, remind me of it. That's the way to do it. So by the time you went off at the end of it, you were saying for the rest of the day, that's the way to do it. Yes, that's very good. That's very good. Well, Liz, what I was going to say was, remember we had Graham on from Oban a few weeks back on our podcast, and he was reminding us about the queuing, the guests queuing up for the bathroom, because in those days there was no odd suites. Well, one of the things that this queuing up for the bathroom did bring about in all these family guest houses 
was a huge camaraderie. And so, as in Scotland, the weather sometimes is not always of the best, that because people got to know each other in the bathroom queue, when the weather wasn't good, they'd get together and arrange things. And one of the things that happened when we were on holiday at Crail was that the whole guest house arranged to go out to the Isle of May on a trip. And that was quite interesting again before the days of health and safety, Liz, where we just, it was a Sunday, we organised a fishing boat out of Anstruther because you don't go fishing on a Sunday, so the, the boats were tied up. And we just sat on the deck of the fishing boat uh, in amongst all the fishing equipment and headed off on a fairly blustery day to the Isle of May. And it was great fun, just everybody pulling together. And when we got to the Isle of May, we actually went right up into the lighthouse, which was terrific. Excellent. I've never been to the Isle of May. I've watched it on the, the webcam from um, the Seabird Centre at North Berwick. Um, watching the puffins and the other seabirds there, but I've never actually visited. Oh, it, it was a beautiful visit then because the the lighthouses were still were still manned. So we actually the light was being looked after by the lighthouse keeper. So it was it was an interesting visit. I think I was probably about eight or nine at the time. And another day out that we had was for the same reason, just this camaraderie, Liz, was when we had a holiday on the Isle of Arran. Again, it was a lovely day in this time, and it was decided that the whole the whole guest house would climb the highest mountain on Arran, which is Goat Fell, and up we went. Well, of course, in Scotland, traditionally, the holidays were right in July. In England, it tends to be in August. We have what are called the fair fortnights. Um, so Glasgow Fair was the third and fourth weeks in July. I think the Edinburgh Fair the first and second fortnight, but basically these were literally fair fortnights. They were based around um, the sale of cattle and horses going right back hundreds of years and associated with the cattle sales would have been big celebrations where you would have had circus and theatre shows. Carnival, it was also called, like Green's Carnival at the Gallagate in the early 1900s, where they had simulated travel experiences. You could go on a scenic railway ride to Japan. But of course, <laughs> even in our antiquated youth you could actually go on holidays so come the fair fortnight and um, I was off did you have fair fortnight in Stirling? No we didn't we kind of didn't have any set time because Stirling wasn't um didn't have huge industry in Stirling so it you know the factories didn't close down for maintenance if you like which is why the fair fortnights also came about but um I was just when you were mentioning the, the fairs and the and the carnivals Liz did you notice that um, on Burnt Island, which is very close to where we are in, in Fife, um, they were setting up the the fairs for the first time since since lockdown, and they were hoping that they would get their their fair up and running again. So that would be one to look out for. Yeah, the amusements they're they're big in Scotland, touring round about, um, and particularly in Fife during the, the summer time. The Lammas Fair in Kirkcaldy, the Lang Toon, where it stretches out along the promenade. That's right, that's right. And and St Andrews too, the whole take over the whole streets. And these are traditions that go right back to medieval times. Exactly. But apart apart from the fairs, Liz, 
Do you remember traveling to your holiday destination? I most definitely do because as I've told listeners before, my father worked for British Rail. So I was very fortunate that we got um, rail fares. So my holidays, early holidays were mainly St Anne's, which is in the north of England, Lytham St Anne's, close to Blackpool. But then as it got a wee bit older, we used to go on the sleeper train to Bournemouth. And that involved sending the trunk ahead with all your clothes and whatever in it. That was a common experience as well. And then you went to the guest house like you were describing there. I think you went to St Anne's as well, didn't you, Helen? Yes, we went to St Anne's one year. We we thought we would, my parents thought they would venture across the border. So we went to St Anne's and my memory of St Anne's is a fabulous outdoor swimming pool. But the weather we had in St Anne's was dreadful it rained the whole time but that was not going to stop me going going swimming every day in the outdoor swimming pool my logic being it's we're wet in the water so we may as well have the water coming down from the skies so i was the only person (laughs) venturing into that swimming pool so one of the lifeguards tried very hard to teach me to dive and i still cannot dive into the water i just belly flop every time (laughs) and then you got your wee chittery piece when you came out yes that I'm just so disappointed that that tradition has gone but the chittery bite was just terrific it could be anything what 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 was your favorite one Liz mine was two digestive biscuits stuck together with butter oh right well mine was a half roll with probably a bit of tomato in it and that had gone all squishy (laughs) as it kind of was squashed into your bag as you went to your swimming. But talking about swimming, we didn't have a swimming pool in Stirling, so um, we had to go out to Dunblane. So we had to go on the bus out to Dunblane and then cross up and go to Dunblane Hydro where they had the pool and it was open to the public. And that that was great. And then we had to walk all the way down into Dunblane Village to get the bus back home to Stirling. And that was in those days crossing the busy A9, which is the main road going north, north, south in Scotland. But we never thought about it. It was just what we did. Yeah, nowadays it would be classed as child neglect. We wondered a lot. Of course, you remember as well that we used to go out and go to a neighbour's house and ask, can we take your dog for a walk, Mrs? But we also, I don't know if you remember this, Helen, we also used to take babies for walks. Oh, yes, we did. That's right. Yes, just get But one of the things, and it just shows how life has changed on, because the dog walking and the baby walking changed on. We used to live um, in Stirling just a few yards from the River Forth and the Stirling Rowing Club, Boating Club. And we left there when I was nine. So that gives you an age range. We used to just wander to the bottom of the street to the rowing club. And if anybody was going out in their boat to practice the rowing, they'd say, do you want a wee hurl? And we'd go into the boat and they'd row us up to the bridges in Stirling and back down again. We'd get off the boat and go home. <laughs> We'd no idea who'd given us a hurl. It was just, but that was life. <laughs> it was, it was safe. A good <laughs> Scottish word there, a hurl, right? We're not at the Scottish <laughs> words yet, but a hurl. Another one. I mean, something that I remember from childhood was picnics. You know, when we were, we didn't always go away on holiday, but when we did go, uh, when we did stay at home, we would have days out and we would go on a picnic and you took your packed up picnic. We didn't have barbecues in those days. We had colour gas stoves. Do you remember them? 
Oh, yes, yes. So you'd have your Gallagher <laughs> stove, which you'd heat your water on for your cup of tea, but you'd also take a pan. And in it, our favourite was a tin of Heinz beans with the sausages in it. Oh, gosh, yes, I remember them. So you would, you would heat that up and that would be on your picnic blanket. But before you put your picnic blanket down, and this is what I'm coming to, another good Scottish word, there's a lot of sheep and cattle around. So before you put your blanket down, you would have a good look underneath your blanket where you were positioning it to make sure that there was no shuck. <laughs> a good descriptive <laughs> word, shuck. <laughs> and that's exactly what you did because, the, oh, you'd be in such trouble if you took your blanket home with that on the back of exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. But coming back again, you were talking about St Anne's there, Helen. But St Anne's sits next to Blackpool. And for many, many Scots, Blackpool is a traditional holiday resort, particularly at what's called the September weekend. So growing up, it was an annual event in my family that we went with my my maternal grandparents to Blackpool for the September weekend and of course all the joys of Blackpool the penny slot machines the amusements the big dipper the tower ballroom at Blackpool Tower did you ever venture to Blackpool when we stayed at St Anne's we did take a day a good day out to Blackpool and we stayed to watch the illuminations and walk along the the front yes we did the golden mile of all the illuminations. Yes. That's why we went in September because that's when they got switched on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was just saying that one of thinking one of the, the big memories was um we talked about how you got to your destination. Well, it, it, the very early days we didn't have a car. So my father had to go through to Dundee, uh, presumably by train, and pick up my grandmother's car and bring it back to Stirling and then we'd load it up with all the suitcases on the roof rack, which the suitcases would be covered in some sort of tarpaulin um, to keep them dry. And um, on the odd occasion that we took our bicycles with us as children, they would just be laying flat on top of the suitcases on the roof rack and as much string as you could find or, or rope would tie everything together and off you'd go. And nowadays, a journey that would take about an hour and a half, it was a whole day's event when we were young and going by car. And that's where we'd have our picnic as well, Liz. Well, I have a traumatic memory of that, Helen, because later on, as I got older, we did have a car too, and we'd go on holiday by car. And I remember exactly that, but remember that the roof racks stuck on with rubber suckers. Oh, so <laughs> so we loaded that. up a roof rack, put it on with the rubber suckers, tied it on, and we came up to a major roundabout where we had to stop a bit abruptly. And what happened? <laughs> the roof rack and all the baggage tumbled off, bounced off the bonnet and into the middle of the roundabout. Not a pleasant experience. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when you think about it, um, I remember um, for some holidays we went uh, with my aunt and uncle and my cousins from Dundee and we went in convoy. They would come from Dundee to Stirling and then from Stirling to Prestwick, who would be where we were going, we would go in convoy. And at one time we noticed that Uncle David and Aunt Mary had disappeared. They were no longer behind us. So we turned around and went back they had had a puncture and of course that was no picnic in those days it was a, a big a big process to sort the puncture out but we eventually got to Prestwick that's on the west coast of Scotland got two memories of Prestwick Liz one is um playing bagatelle that you know that game that you shoot uh -huh. the balls through the through the nails playing bagatelle in the hotel with my with my cousins but 
the biggest memory is my cousin swallowed a bagatelle ball. And so when they took him to the doctors, we were probably only about four, five, six, that kind of age. Um, when they took him to the doctor, the doctor said, well, you just have to wait for nature to take its course. <laughs> so there was a couple of days of waiting and then the, the bagatelle ball did appear. So that I'm was, not thinking. No, I'm not. So that's that not fine. a pretty scene. Yeah. Yeah. But they say that in those days when it was just family holidays, you had nothing to do but just be with each other. Yes. And so that's when the best memories are, you know, things like that, yes. the bagatelle and whatever. You were talking about um, the, the destination. Um, well, we went by train. We went to Bournemouth and um, we travelled through London. We had to change there. So we always had a day out in London. And the memories of that, apart from the sleeper train going down, um, do you remember Lion's Corner Houses? They were an English thing. Oh, do you remember those? I do, Liz. And, and I, we did go to one because, like you, we had one. I had one holiday on the south coast of England and we took a day into London and went to Lion's Corner House. Yeah, they were a chain of tea shops, I suppose a bit like uh, Kate Cranston's tea shops, but the flagship one was on Piccadilly Circus, and I can remember that we always went there for afternoon tea. And then another yes. regular was um, Bernie's Inns. Bernie's Inns oh, were a kind gosh. of steakhouse. And my favourite was a mixed grill. You never seem to get a mixed grill nowadays. No, you don't. And now you remind me, Liz, I love these mixed grills. What did you get in it? You got liver? And you got sausages, you got an egg, you got tomato, you got, did you, did you get a piece of steak as well? A little piece? You did, a wee piece of steak. Yes. I even sometimes got kidneys as well. Oh, That's something yes. that you would go for now. But it was, and you had a, a grilled tomato and some mushrooms and a few chips. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah, I like these mixed grills. And then, of yeah. course, when we're talking about the type of things that you would get in the Bernie Inn, if you were having a pudding, it might well have been a, a Black Forest Gatto. Oh, yeah, that was another tradition of the 60s. But I wouldn't have gone for the Black Forest Gato, Helen, because my favourite and another thing that I associate with holidays, a Knickerbocker glory. Oh, yes. Or an ice, an ice float. An, an ice, ice cream float. float. Yeah, ice cream float. But a Knickerbocker glory basically was a layered ice cream sundae. But it got its name Knickerbocker because it was red and white stripes all the way down. That was the important thing, that it was striped. Uh -huh. And you got it in a long glass with a long spoon. A long so when you were spoon. wee, you had to peer over the yes. glass to see what you had. So it was a mixture of ice cream and jelly. That was the red yes. and the white and some fruit. And then on the top, you got whipped cream and maybe some um, raspberry syrup yes. and a few nuts. And then all of it was topped off with a cherry on the top. Oh, my goodness. It was absolute heaven. I can see it. I can see it right now, Liz. And then, of course, the poor man's poor man's version was the ice cream float, which was uh, a big glass of, of a fizzy a fizzy drink, might be iron brewer. I love the American cream soda uh, with a couple of scoops of ice cream just floating on the top of it. And you used to push your straw down through the ice cream <laughs> and soak up the fizzy drink, but just keep let the ice cream just began to melt into the fizzy drink. I like that. Yeah. And do you remember that at the beginning when you put the ice cream, it was like a volcano because as the ice cream hit the coke, it began to fizz <laughs> and all this brown lava yes. poured over the top of your glass. <laughs> what memories, what memories. We could go on for ages. We haven't even scraped the surface yet. But time is up, Helen, and it's time to move on to our word of the week. What's your word of the week? 
Well, I my word of the week is I was just talking about when we were on Aaron, we went up Goat Pell or the camaraderie of the of the people in the guest house. I would often go out for just a wee saunter, a wee saunter, you know, either through the town or through the woods or up a mountain, just a wee a wee wander, a wee walk. Very good. Well, my word of the week this week is a wee bit risky. Um, not at all in Scotland, right? There's a no different connotations in Scotland. But I was talking about how when you went on your Sunday school outing, you lined up and you got your paper bag filled with your treats to eat. Well, in Scotland, we call a paper bag a poke. So you got your sandwiches in a poke. Now, I remember when my relations came, when I was just a wee girl, they came across from Canada. And we went out for the day and we went into a grocer's shop and I can't remember what this auntie was buying, but the grocer says to her, do you want a poke? Meaning, do you want a paper bag? Well, my uncle just about went apoplectic. He just about hit him. And there was cultural confusion until all was explained. <laughs> That's a good one, Liz. <laughs> so, another one done, Helen. It was lovely reminiscing. It was, actually, um, and there's so much more to tell. Of of course, of course. So put me in the mood for a knickerbocker glory. Yes. Okay. Okay. Bye for now. Bye for now. And there we have it, the end of another episode of Scottish Blethers. If you'd like to join us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as at Scottish Blethers. And if you'd like to leave a review, please do so on your podcast platform of choice. It's cheery bye from me. Ta-ta the new from me. And if I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the windy from me. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.